intro here before I introduce my incredible mother-in-law, who I'm just so happy to have on the podcast. She's just a wealth of wisdom. I feel so honored to be surrounded by women like her and my mom and my aunts and other women that the Lord has brought into my life. And I'm so happy to be able to share her wisdom with you, regardless of whether you are homeschooling or not homeschooling. There is going to be insight in here on teaching and leading your kids from home. And so I just think that you're going to be so encouraged by Lisa. Now, if you are watching this on YouTube, um, you can, the purpose of my screen recording this is not so you could see I'm looking up French uh, nursery rhymes and obviously in the search of white cowboy boots that are knee high. If you have a great link for those, then let me know. The reason I am screen recording is because I wanted to give you a little peek inside my homeschool course because 200 women have been through this course in June, but I know some of you have either switched to homeschooling or you're still considering homeschooling even in kind of the ninth, what do they call it? The ninth inning or whatever in baseball, basically the school you're starting, but maybe you're looking for a little bit of encouragement or you're looking for a little bit of like, okay, I thought I had this figured out, but I'm looking for some new ideas. Maybe you've already started your homeschool and you want some input. And so I am going to be dropping my homeschooling course down to $97. And if you're in the Get It All Done Club, then your price will be dropping to uh, even below that. So check the Get It All Done Club for your discount. And my goal is just to simplify homeschool for you to make you feel confident in setting the foundation for your homeschool. If you go to nowthatwe'reafamily.com forward slash homeschool, you're gonna be able to see what other women have said who have been through the course, who the course is for, see a little bit about why I am teaching. And this course, I'm combining my experience of teaching my younger siblings how to read, write, and then going on to teach them middle school tutoring with math and English, music lessons, and then going on to teach them in high school. Later on, I went on to tutor when Elisha and I were married. And now I've had a couple years of experience teaching my own kids. And that's what this course is about. It's about the first three years and laying a foundation of joy, confidence, and love of learning from the start. So we're doing kind of a flash sale here because it's the end of the season. So before I shut this course down, um, it's going to be $50 off. Again, here, if you're on YouTube, I'm going to give you a little glimpse of what's inside. And if you aren't, if you're just listening, uh, then hopefully I can explain this for you a little bit. The first section here is on laying the foundation. So crafting your vision, discovering what kind of homeschooling mother you are, raising children to love to learn, simplifying your homeschool. I walk you through our homeschool room. If you don't have a lot of space in your home and you don't have a dedicated homeschool room, or maybe you're kind of overwhelmed with all the clutter in your homeschool room. Uh, we go over teaching boys and other little wigglers, making it fun for them. When a student doesn't want to learn, cultivating confidence, uh, and navigating meltdowns. So you can watch this course totally out of order. If there's one thing that really speaks to you and you're looking for support in that area, then there will be a video on it. We go over the practical stuff, how children learn from two to 12, what to do with a baby, what to do with a toddler, because and I show you, I show you inside our home how this looks. We go over child training, so attitudes, obedience, heartstrings, learning together, how and when to group students. And then I go over teaching the basics as well. So reading, writing, arithmetic. And again, I show you with my two-year-old, my four-year-old, and my five-year-old how this looks progressively in our home. And hopefully it's gonna give you guys some good ideas. We go over history and science, and I give you an entire day in my life where I walk you through from start to finish how that looks on a general school day in our home. And we also talk about socialization, motivating children, what you don't need when it comes to curriculum, how to be consistent when you're spontaneous. This was really big for me because I feel like when it comes to homeschooling, uh, we need to be consistent with our kids in order to give them the best start possible. But how do you do that when you're a really spontaneous person and you have a schedule that's all over the map? Uh, I wanna share what I've learned in this area because it was one of my biggest fears when it came to homeschooling. And then I also talk about zero paper clutter organization, uh, tracking progress, transcripts, saving artwork, all that stuff so it's not just in piles around your home, and then testing and comprehension. One of my favorite things in this program actually is the resources tab. This has also been one of your favorite resources as well. And if you go here, you can download my complete Trello template where I have links here for everything that we are doing um, in every subject. 
And also, if you're doing the classical conversation timeline, or just if you want kind of some help with history, then I go through week by week and have videos that have already been vetted going from ancient history all the way through the fall of communism in Eastern Europe, September 11th, Watergate, President Nixon, all that stuff. Catechism, scripture memory, read and listen alouds. I have lists for fun life skills for home management at two years old, four years old, six years old. And this was the initial template I created. I actually have added to it recently. If I go over here and have added in a lot of cool things that we have added into our homeschool. So STEM learning, kind of how we're doing that, geography, um, Latin, French, Spotify playlists, all that. So if you downloaded the earlier template in June, then head back because I have more links here, including logic and, and so many things that we've added to our homeschool and just some incredible resources I found. So I'm gonna continue to add to this and update it over the next couple of years. I wanna read this real quick screenshot from a woman who took the course. She said, I just finished your course all the way through. It was so good. We actually brought our abacus with us on our family trip. You truly single-handedly help me feel figure out how to get started. And that's my hope. My hope is to help you figure out how to get started and also give you momentum and courage to keep going. I have talked way too much, you guys. Go to nowthatwe'reafamily.com forward slash homeschool. It will be linked in the description box and use the code podcast50. That's just sounding good to me right now. So use the code podcast50 for $50 off the next few days before we close the course down. So today I have the honor of interviewing my mother-in-law, Lisa Votberg, and we did an old interview on YouTube years and years ago, and it was such an encouragement to me, and so I'm excited to be talking about her homeschooling journey with you all. She has 10 children and homeschooled them all. I am the recipient of all her efforts with mm -hmm. Elisha. And I'm just so, so, so grateful for the input and intentionality that her and Joe put into raising their children because that directly affects me and my life. So uh, Lisa, can you just introduce yourself to people that aren't familiar with you and kind of share what your life looks like now? Sure. I'm, um, I'm 61 years old this year and Joe and I will be celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary. Uh, this year, September 11th, and we're so excited about the family party that we get to have. Uh, we live in a house that we built over 30 years ago on a tree farm. My husband uh, was a logger, and uh, or is a logger probably, uh, and we uh, together we run a couple coffee shops and a real estate agency, and we have amazing, we have our own children that work for us, and then of course a lot of uh, amazing young adults, and then, uh, of course, with the real estate agency, uh, some not so young adults. There's just great people that we get to work with. And uh, so we're engaged with people in the community that we've lived in all of our lives. And that's a beautiful privilege for both Joe and I to know the same people that watched us grow up. And uh, we have a strong Christian community, strong support. Uh, uh, it's just, I feel really blessed to to be in the community that we live in. So on our little hill in our house, uh, we, we garden, we love flowers, green grass. We have lots of grandchildren now. We have 27. Uh, well, I think it will be 28. Uh, but there are some. Oh, so 24 are born, and there will be three or four more. I kind of... Lost track. Uh, <laughs> Lots born, of pregnancies all yes. at one time. They kind of come in like yes. little groupings <laughs> yes. of pregnancies. Yes. So we're celebrating um, all of our children. And when Katie mentioned um, that I'm going to be talking about our homeschool journey, I I still love school supplies. <laughs> I One of my favorite things to do is buy everybody's school supplies 
uh, anywhere from the markers that go on sale at Walmart to 50 cent crayons to pencils, paper, all the things that I loved when I was homeschooling. That was just one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually fun because Joe and Lisa are at our home right now. You could tell they came over to visit the kids and, and us, which is just such a joy. And they came bearing this big basket of school mm-hmm. supplies with everything labeled. All the kids' things are in their little, what do you call those little paper? Oh, a- Pencil, pencil boxes? Cases? They yes. have their own pencil cases. They have their own yeah. little pencil boxes. <laughs> and for the last two days, that's all the kids have wanted to do is get out their own little individual pencil box. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty fun. Right. So I still love those uh, practical things. And I still, even on my shelves, keep some of our homeschool curriculum. Um, on, a, on a day-to-day level, I'm able to, I feel like I want to be available like I was as a mom, uh, I love that I get to stay at home and be a homemaker. I love being able to still cook meals. Well, most of the time. You make incredible <laughs> meals. Yeah. Uh, but to, to be able to serve my family and, and make a home that I'm that I love so much. Uh, so I am at home still and I still get to do random. I love being able to get called and say, Hey, I have to run in for an appointment. Are you available to watch, you know, three or four kids this afternoon? And it's, I love having that flexibility and availability to be able to, to support my kids. But some of the things that we do maybe on a, on a little bit more scheduled or formal level, we have, uh, uh, I have a singing group where we meet once a week and I lead singing and then together with the expertise of my daughters and daughters-in-law, uh, because I don't, even though we did a lot of music, the only musical education that I have is listening to the melody of a song and being able to sing it. I don't read music and I don't know how to teach parts. Uh, So they will come in and then we're at a point now that the children are learning to sing parts. And uh, so we have a a regular singing time and prepare uh, special numbers, whether it's for church or our annual uh, family Christmas programs that we present in our community. So we work with the children there and I get to kind of spearhead that with lots of help. And then I also weekly, uh, do a tutor class, tutoring class for some of our children. It, well, it was specifically geared with some reading for kids with reading challenges, um, a special method of teaching phonics. And I teach it directed to some of the older children that are a little bit challenged uh, with their reading, but I'm also working, I have a class of about 10 of our grandkids, uh, ages five to 10. And uh, and so we work on that actually twice weekly uh, together, and I love that because I feel like a teacher. Uh, yeah, well, you are. <laughs> when you tell me you have 10 students in your yeah. home twice a week, I'm like, that's a lot of kiddos to teach reading all at one time to. Can you actually share the name of the program just for those that maybe have a child that's, you know, right. challenged in that area? It's called the Barton, B-A-R-T-O-N is the name. And I think there's a subtitle, but I, I'm not remembering it correctly. But if you looked that up, you'd be able to find information on it. And I was able to access it through a a dear friend who actually helped us with some of our children who had dyslexic uh, tendencies, reading challenges. And she came in and tutored uh, for a couple years in our home to help us. So uh, when I was pregnant with our first child, I was teaching search I was teaching sixth grade at a middle school, a public middle school. And I would, uh, so that's over, that's 39 years ago in 1983 is when I signed my teaching contract and then happened to be pregnant with our first baby. And, uh, I would stop off on the way to work every now and then to visit my parents who were also, uh, former public educators. And I'm the oldest of six children. They were very intentional with our education. Uh, my parents were, um, we, most of us went to Catholic school for all of our elementary. Um, and then when we were involved in the public school, they were very, uh, they were the parents that were involved. And so that, that's what I knew. So my parents were very pro-education and uh, pro-children. So 
on one of those visits in the morning, they were watching the 700 Club and uh, they were interviewing uh, Dr. Raymond and Dorothy Moore, uh, who are have passed away now, but they uh, had done so much research in the area of education and children's readiness, especially reading readiness. Uh, and uh, they are, are, I think, are credited with uh, the modern um, homeschool movement that we know today, maybe um, beginning 70s, late 70s, 80s. Um, this was in 1984 that I started, and so they had already been doing their research and written a few books, Better Late Than Early, uh, uh, encouraging people to at least wait for formal schooling um, until children's vision was fully developed. Uh, so they were, uh, rather than uh, pushing for children to be educated at four or five and six formally, they were encouraging it to maybe be eight, nine, and 10. And uh, the thing that I liked about the research, I was just, Katie had mentioned that I love to learn. And so uh, my parents directed me there and said, and I had mentioned that my parents were very involved in our education. They said if, if they would have known that home education was an option, they would have at least considered it for the first, for the early primary years, because there were some of us, uh, of my siblings, who were uh, especially peer influenced, maybe in the negative way. And and the cool thing about the Moores, uh, Dr. Raymond and Dorothy Moore, that did the research, they talk a lot about how when children can go into early, they're so influenced some more than others, uh, by their peers and could be a negative way where if they have the foundation of being in their home longer, uh, and having the influence of their parents that love them unconditionally, they can have a stronger, uh, character. So, uh, and be, make, make, uh, more, make wiser decisions as they, as they go along. So my parents were encouraging me to look into home education and, uh, and I, I, of course, I remember asking those questions. Well, dad, what about socialization? Yeah. And, and, and even my dad at that time said, what, are you kidding me? He said, there's socialization everywhere. You could do, you know, there's community sports, there's, uh, there's Boy Scouts, there's uh, church, you know, there's interaction. He had that common sense before wow. people were talking about socialization as something so important. And so that got me out of kind of the box of thinking that education had to be a certain way and start looking into other alternatives. And I was especially, uh, another thing that the Moors did in their writing when they encouraged you to wait for formal education, in the meantime, it wasn't as if your children were doing nothing. They really emphasized teaching your children how to work. And that was something that Joe and I both loved oh, because yeah. we were raised working. Uh, our, our, both of our parents are independent business people. And so we were working in the home, we were contributing, we were working outside the home. And so we kind of had that philosophy built into us because of our own parents. And so when we thought, yeah, we could teach our kids how to work, we're good at that. And uh, so that foundation of being patient for children's readiness for formal education, and then teaching them how to work and be part of a family was something that we felt real secure in. And, and at that point, we thought, well, well, we'll at least wait until our children are ready before we put them into a formal learning environment, which would be school outside the home. And so, and then it was, we'll take it a year at a time. So, and it was all based kind of on education, uh, learning, that kind of, that was our foundation. And Joe was kind of like, oh, that's cool. He was supportive, my husband. Um, he was all on board. He loved that I was doing this research and was excited about it. But uh, he was, we were talking about it earlier, and I like the way he said it. He said it went, our home education went from concept, it started with a concept, and it grew to conviction. So I, I would say about the time Joby was eight, that's our firstborn we were introduced to the teaching or a teaching about how important it was to bring up our children in the knowledge of the Lord. And, and, and of course we were Christians and we were, we were teaching them about Jesus. Uh, but we weren't really looking at education from 
a biblical uh, viewpoint from a, uh, until we got some of this teaching that said it was our job to teach them about Jesus, to, to center in on the Word of God. And it was at that point that it became a conviction, and we knew that we wanted to keep our kids home and be their primary influence and be the ones to lead them to the Lord and be the ones teaching them uh, the, the surety and truth of God's Word day, in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, how God directs us uh, to do that, to teach our children as we go along. And what a better way than if they're home with us full time. So when it became a conviction is when that, when the challenging times came, because there are challenging times. <laughs> there was this one time where I pictured I would be such a better mom if I wasn't a homeschooling mom. I pictured my kids coming in the back door from their school and thinking I'd be that mom that would have cookies ready and say, how was your school? And then help them with homework. Uh, you know, in some of those crisis moments of like, how, why am I doing this? But it, it was so cool to be able to come back to that conviction. Like, no, we know that God gave us these children and there are not only a blessing to us, but there, God directed us to do this. And we felt solid in that. So for us, home education became very, just like our faith is grounded so solidly in the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. That's that. We don't want to ever waver in that. Uh, I believe that home education became that for us too. And uh, I don't want to equal it with the gospel. I don't want to be misunderstood there. But it says that the gospel is everything. That's all we need to in in life. Uh, you know, we but and that's what we desire for our children. So that became just a real solid uh, foundational truth that we could land on when we became discouraged and uh do that does that make sense yes yeah. no absolutely <laughs> and i think it's cool i've never heard that story before oh. i never knew how you found out about homeschooling mm -hmm. and i do think it's interesting like how the lord gently leads us and how at first the decision was based off more of a just maybe secular or just straight up like uh -huh. how are we going to educate our kids okay this seems a little bit better to start them off sure. so we're going to do yeah. this and then led to that spiritual conviction yeah. of, oh yeah. no, this is our calling. And yeah. it's, it's bigger than just the education of, of, you know, school and academics. Right. Right. So did you ever get opposition from anyone you were around? I think it's cool. So your parents were supportive. Did right, they just right. continue to be supportive all the way? And, oh, for sure. My yeah. parents are, and, uh, and always were, uh, Joe's side of the family wasn't uh, to begin with. And, um, Yet they were always supportive of us as a family, but they weren't too sure about this whole home education thing. Kind of weird. Uh, and so, but it wasn't, I would say we were maybe, oh, let's see, I have five years into it. And so Joby maybe would have been, I don't know, 12, five, I don't, I can't remember ages. All I know is they became completely on board. <laughs> they they moved next door to us and became our biggest our biggest fans. And uh, so to me, that was we were so committed to wanting our children. We believed they were a blessing. We knew the Lord said they were, and so we wanted to, to teach and train our children that they would indeed be a blessing to our grandparents, to their grandparents. And, um, I believe the children won them over. And so, uh, uh, yeah, jo Joe's parents and siblings, uh, man, they, they all decided to homeschool, uh, not necessarily, not all of them because of us. Uh, they just started doing their own research and, uh, it's cool the way that works. And, um, and so, and maybe in our community, there wasn't necessarily pushback. I mentioned that I we are we live in the same community where we were raised, so we were involved in the public schools, and of course I was teaching, uh, and then uh, sports, so community, so people I think were may have been like, well, are they removing themselves from community? Are they really supportive of our community if they've pulled back, and? Uh, Throughout the years, the Lord has given us opportunity to serve in different ways that don't have to do uh, with the public school. So I think those times where you did feel maybe uh, not direct opposition, but you got maybe 
a certain feeling, which in sometimes it's a little bit justified because it is a different, a different lifestyle. And you do appear as if you're rejecting their choices mm -hmm. because of yeah. the choices that you've made. So just wanting to, we just were really prayerful about that, wanted to make sure we did things in love. And um, we have felt uh, huge community support. So it's been good. That's awesome. And as regarding like fears in homeschooling, do you feel like you started out with fears? Did the fears come a little bit later? You know, what what was kind of some of your struggle with that? Or, or, or did you feel pretty much confident the whole way through? No, I think that's good. That's such a great question. Uh, it's sort of been... Anyway, I was I started out really confident, which is <laughs> awesome. I could do this, uh, and so as more children came, um, I thought, "Wow, this is I'm not as good at this as I thought I was going to be." Uh, and that's where landing on that conviction, coming back to that, was like, "No, it's kind of like when God gives you a new child. Uh, you know that God gave that child to you, and He will give you the grace." And he'll equip you because you know that it's from God. Well, we knew that our conviction to homeschool was from God, so he would give us the grace. So just going to him and crying out to him uh, for help, for grace, He each step of the way he led us. There were certain moments uh, where I felt a little bit, well, I think maybe every homeschool mom might feel a little bit challenged when she's around other homeschool moms. And maybe even, especially today in this time where we see so many homeschool moms on in social media and everything that they're doing. And uh, so that challenge to not feel uh, competitive or I'm not doing enough, uh, man, that that's a challenge. And But to be able to bring it back, I love this. God made us all so uniquely. And knowing and embracing who he made me, my personality, my husband's uh, job, our location, our community, our family, everybody's looks different. And to be able to take that down to uh, this is what our homeschool family looks like mm -hmm. and be confident in that. So there were bumps along the road, but it uh, the Lord directed us back to him and gave us confidence in his grace and who he made us to be. Uh, there was a time, especially when my oldest became uh, about 13 in my mind, that I was thinking, wow, maybe we should get serious about this homeschool thing. <laughs> and uh, because I had such a, I, we weren't, uh, you know how there's, there are different uh, styles of homeschoolers, anywhere from school at home to free schooling. Uh, I think I'm, in between. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, I think that there are just some things you like and to embrace that and be good at that because it's, I think the stress comes for a homeschool mom when you try to do something that you don't really like or care about and be okay with that. And you know, so many people uh, then, and I'm not sure about now, wonder about the gaps their children may have mm -hmm. in education. And and to know, even on an education level, uh, there will always be gaps, uh, whether you're in the best private school or the best public school and or the best home education program, uh, there will be gaps because we're human. And uh, it comes back down to that foundation of the truth of God's word that, that became foundational for us, that that's what was important to us. It wasn't just a sidestep, let's learn math, spelling, oh yeah, and let's stick some Bible in there. We wanted our lives to be the Bible. You know, our kids were raised on Proverbs, like a lot of people are, because it's an, I want to encourage you, and not in an offhand way, it is a great resource to be able to go to the Proverbs of the day and read that with your children. Um, it will encourage your soul, and and uh, and it, it's things that stick with your stick with your kids, those oh, simple readings. Big time. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I've like been on a kick with Proverbs recently because Leon will ask for it now to be read. And I think so many people, like a lot of questions, Lysha and I get are like, okay, well, why did you like want to save yourself for marriage? Or why did you like, like a lot of things your parents can't force on you. And it's so crazy because both of us were just talking the other night and we're like, honestly, the Proverbs, like, are a big reason, like the Lord keeps you for a lot of things, but just the Proverbs make such a clear example of foolish decisions, mm -hmm. pride, 
arrogance, not getting counsel, not listening to your parents' instruction. And you see, it's just like, it's so clear, like it's the way of death. It's the way of, you know, it might seem good now, but it's going to be lame later. And contrasting that with the fear of the Lord and wisdom Mm -hmm. and listening to instruction and counsel is just so clear in every verse. And that stuff just sticks with you. Yes through your whole life. Like yes. I think it's the best character study you could ever give your child Absolutely. is reading of the Proverbs. Right, right. Anyways, it's just side note. <laughs> no, I that do. is good. I and, love it. Um, th- that idea again, on another side note, I have uh, one of our daughters-in-law was not raised in a Christian home. She became a Christian in high school through a great ministry. And, um, and so she wasn't homeschooled. And it was interesting. We were having a discussion uh, with some of the the sisters daughters and we were talking about being raised in a homeschool movement and why we had certain ideas about uh femininity uh roles uh you know gender roles in the family and it was so refreshing to hear her perspective because and this is where i want to give you guys encouragement is that the word of god is gonna get me so emotional so As a home educator, that's our foundation, but it's never too late to jump into the word of God because when she shared that she wasn't raised with Proverbs or a a biblical worldview of what family should look like, she said, as soon as I started reading the word of God and learning the word of God, I, I had a picture of what... God wanted me to be as a wife and a mother. So I'm giving that as a hope because it, it, it's, it's never too late to start if you've got teenagers. Um, and I especially think too with the way our, the beauty of our faith and how it's built in repentance and grace, we constantly go to, we turn away from what we know is wrong and we turn to the Lord and he puts his grace upon us. And so those mistakes that we may make in our uh, children, uh, children, child raising and education, that God redeems those. And mm-hmm. I think to me that that's, as far as the word of God and then true humility throughout uh, your educating and humility being knowing that you're needy and you you have a God who is who knows all things and you can turn to him. And uh, so it's a good thing if you don't know everything you think you need to know. That's where God wants us. And I think that that actually is kind of a basis for quote unquote success. So that's so encouraging, yeah. Lisa, to yeah. me, and I know it will be to our listeners as well. Uh, because again, it's so easy. The devil wants us to believe that it's too late mm-hmm. and we've missed the bus and we've made the mistakes, and he brings those mistakes in front of our eyes over and over and over. And he just wants us to dwell on those instead of being like, there's no condemnation in Christ and right. old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And there's just so much uh, scripture that supports the new creation that we are in Christ at any point in time. And just yes. how he, he takes all the, he takes all that away and he redeems things. Right. That's what God does. He redeems. Right. And so he can redeem relationships and he can redeem, um, errors and redeem us <laughs> at our course. That's just beautiful. Oh, I got a little off track. I want yes, to say when I mentioned me. that 13 year old, when I had a, my oldest was 13 and I thought I should yes. maybe become a little bit more formal with education. And I got a little panicky, uh, so uh, I, it, the God brought us back again to like, no, just be solid in the word of God. And then he provided, at that time, I thought he needs to go further in his math. You know, we should be a little bit further. Well, my, uh, he provided a math tutor through my brother. And uh, that story actually turned into that oldest son now is a, is a medical physicist. Uh, Look at that. Wow. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm only giving you that example. Well, I mean, yes, I'm proud of him. So (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) that, That's true. I'm very proud of him. But of how God orchestrates things, I did not envision that for my oldest son. And and there's lots of cool success success stories uh, with my other children too. And um, I'm using him because that's when I first started panicking about maybe the direction and then how even through my brother who's who is the original uh medical physicist and kind of math genius he volunteered to tutor in math tutor my son and then he did 
all sorts of different math and science classes with my kids throughout the years. But how God provides those things, and we had a scripture verse that I was sharing with Katie and Elisha yesterday, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the, the things that God has planned for those that love him. And then, of course, we're all familiar with Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then he will add all these things to you. And that's still a solid verse. And I don't mean that as a name it and claim it type of an idea. I mean it as just find our confidence and strengthen the Lord and do the work that's before you, and he will lead you in the path that you should go. And I believe that that's true of we as home educating moms. So, and just along that whole concept, were there any other times that you felt like maybe you thought a child had a certain bent at 10 or 12, or you kind of thought you had a prediction of where they were going, and then they totally surprised you with where they went, what they decided to do in life? Or do you feel like you had a good idea by the time they were middle school, junior high, like, okay, they have these bents. I think they're going to follow it through right, to something right. in this vein. No, uh, I think that might be personality because I, I don't, I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't really good at seeing, I don't think I saw my kids' giftings very well. I was in such a, and I, I'm also sharing this as an encouragement because uh, I don't think we have to. Yes, <laughs> yes, words. and that's good. And, and, that's good um, to mention. I think it's awesome when we recognize strengths. I did notice certain strengths and would try to encourage that. One daughter was just so good at details and artistic things. And so when we did family events, uh, when it wasn't a, in a rush time, I would let her make the name cards or um, design the flower arrangements. And, and those types, I, I would want to encourage those things. So I did see different, yes, I, I wasn't completely blind. I did see certain <laughs> bents, but I didn't necessarily see a future is what, how they could provide or how they would, um, minister it. I didn't have that kind of a vision until later, uh, when I saw them moving in their maybe twenties even. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. so for me, I think that served as a protect, a protecting thing because being able to keep them solid in the disciplines at home without having to project on what if, and where are they going? I honestly didn't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and again, that just could, again, my, the way God created me, my naivety, because I know a lot of people do have that forward thinking and they have awesome results, but that uh, it's just resting in who God made you to be. So did that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's good. I think yeah. that's encouraging because I think sometimes we feel like, oh, if we can't see where our kid's going, right. you know, do we pick a path for them? Mm -hmm. Do we, you know, I feel like you guys had a combination of like, kind of encouraging your children in certain bents and mm -hmm. then also just letting them pick their own thing. And I don't feel like you force, I know you didn't force any of them mm -hmm. into a certain path mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, okay, so this is a question. I actually wrote this down because I thought this was interesting because when I look at your kids now, they're all highly effective adults, right? Mm -hmm. But some of them are academic. Some of them are more entrepreneurial. Some of them are more creative. You have like a span, you know, mm -hmm. you mentioned you do have a medical physicist. You have some of your boys that are still at home pursuing higher education right yeah. now and are finding that they're more academic. Um, you have my husband who's just really entrepreneurial and you and have creative, a, and yeah. creative and you mm -hmm. have a couple other kids that are more in that mm -hmm. vein, um, who didn't so much love the schoolwork. And so how, I guess my question for you was, is this something you anticipated? Is it something you were just really flexible with when it comes to each child? Cause sometimes you meet a family and it's like all their kids kind of went through the exact same process and kind of end up with the same result. Sure. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. cause it was like the family result uh -huh. was to get through, I don't know, maybe they were all like classically educated. And in the end they all, yeah. you know, speak Greek and become an engineer. I don't uh -huh. know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, but you have like this really wide range of mm -hmm. kids who are doing a variety of different things. Right. So I think that, um, because I can think of, uh, we have a family that we're close to and, they did do everything. Uh, they, they were, of course, they were sensitive to their children's bents yeah. and needs, but they did end up with uh, everybody. They had a, a definite path of college and 
They were gifted in the math. Their, their father and grandfathers are engineers. They are all engineers. And, um, and they're a delightful, God-loving, Bible-loving family. You know, so that was, that's always so good for me to look at because I, we, like Katie said, we're a little bit more eclectic. And I think that might just have to do with, I love to read and learn and Joe is more physical. And in some of this process, this might be a little sidetracked, but we discovered that some of our kids had real challenges with reading. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I, shared earlier about reading readiness and how I learned that early. I, I, that was such a good foundation for me. I thought, oh, okay, that's okay because kids are, are ready to learn at a certain age and maybe sometimes not even until 12. Well, then we get our, our fifth born daughter who's 12 and not reading. I'm thinking, okay, I'm at the end of the spectrum there. What's happening? And, um, and so back to my education degree, I had a minor in special ed and that was in 1983. So I had this idea because of definitions that I had learned that this term dyslexic was just kind of a catch-all for people with reading challenges and you just kind of work through it, you know, no big deal. And, uh, but what I realized with uh, this one daughter and then my oldest daughter who loves to do research helped me start researching reading challenges, dyslexia, and realizing that they, in the meantime, since 1983, they redefined what dyslexia is. And I thought, that's my daughter and actually some of my kids, uh, when you see some of the yeah. tendencies that they had. And so that's what led, I had shared earlier how I helped tutor uh, some of our grandchildren to getting a new tutor and learning how to read uh, differently, uh, learning uh, taking a different approach in learning how to read and also being able to embrace because I am a good reader and love it, uh, realizing that my husband is dyslexic and didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know so that. I thought that he had just had a lousy teacher, you know, and didn't learn phonics or I learned how to sight read, you know, type of a thing, you know, the, a typical public I had a private education, so I had a better education and he had a public, you know, I just kind of had these generalizations in my mind, but I realized that he was genuinely dyslexic and he had a difficult time, uh, connecting, uh, letters, the, what you see on the page to actual sounds. And so he does a lot of memory. He memorizes words. And I saw my kids doing that and not doing the logical phonetic thing because it doesn't necessarily click in the brain. And, uh, and yet how well Joe does in business with people mm -hmm. and he may not read, he actually does read quite a bit right now. He listens a lot. He listens to a lot of teachings. And so that's been so healthy for me in our marriage to understand him and how he learns. And then also appreciate, I could, I could read a book you know, in 30 minutes, and he would take 30 days to read the same A.W. Tozer book. And not, I wasn't thinking even judgmental. I was just thinking, well, that's just the way we work. But what I realized is how, how wonderfully he uh, retains the amazing things that maybe A.W. Tozer taught in the pursuit of man. And I'm thinking, well, oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, I you know. know? <laughs> My reading speed is high, but, yeah. <laughs> but the retention. Because you just start marinating on it for no. so long. And I thought, it's funny because I thought the same thing. Elisha, when we got married, he goes, wow, you just read so fast. I don't know how you read so fast. You know, I read Count of Monte Cristo in five days. Yeah. And I think it took him about six months, you know? <laughs> and it was funny because we were talking about that. And then it wasn't until this year that he was like, oh yeah, I've had, I am like, you know, on a spectrum, uh -huh. I have some dyslexia. And I was like, that makes so much sense, you know, but he does when it comes to the reading thing, yeah, you know, yeah. I just see words and it goes easy for right, me. Right. And I never thought like reading as a challenge, but I think it's just so cool that, uh, like you said, he retains so much yeah. and his memory is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and then you, again, bringing that back to the word of God, it's going to manifest. I remember even I was doing some cleaning out in our homeschool closet and our little Annie, who is just really struggling with her reading. And I was, I had two copies of the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom. And I thought, oh, I should, I need to give one of these away. And then I thought, oh, we have the movie 
oh, but you know how you have that idea that you'd got to read the book before you watch the movie uh, type of thing. And then I thought, why? Who made that rule? I thought, because I wanted Annie to know the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, but she needs to read the book, you know, kind of being legalistic about it. And I thought, no, that's not true. It, to be able to watch and listen to the story, is it still reaches your heart. So it, it was just such a beneficial thing for me to realize that not everybody learns like I do. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing about having 10 children, being married to a husband that learns differently, and seeing how God brings that all together. And that comes back to that eclectic idea, I think, mm-hmm. of being able to honor and respect and uh, see that when our little Annie when we were finally, because another thing I really was stubborn about were labels, uh, labeling your children. And I'm still stubborn about that. Uh, But there came a point, you know, when she was 12 to say, hey, Annie, we just realized that you need to learn how to read a different way. And uh, and in the meantime, also recognizing she's had some very strong gifts, which is kind of typical of, of uh, dyslexic kids. They can be very athletic, uh, musical. Uh, you know, they've developed those things. And she was at a point where she was kind of uh, maybe uh, not so sure about her giftings. Does, does she really want to practice her piano and her, her cello and uh, even her basketball? And I said, you know, God has given you those gifts, develop them. And in the meantime, we're going to work on this reading thing. And, uh, and the other thing that I love too, is somebody confirmed this. I, I remember thinking in my mind kind of to myself, why does, why is reading such a high place? You know, that everybody, you know, read to succeed, that mm-hmm. everybody needs to be an excellent reader. And just thinking that myself, because it's almost <laughs> blasphemous to say that, <laughs> but uh, knowing that we're all gifted so differently, and if we can learn different tools, whether it's the listening, whether it's, I remember Annie had to, her grandpa was going to build her a balance beam, and he told her to look up what the measurements were. And so her sister helped her look it up on the computer, and there's all these paragraphs and words, and she was overwhelmed. And I said, just find the numbers. That's all you have to do. And so those types of things, in my old self, I would say, well, she's got to learn how to do this Mm -hmm. from capital letter to period to get the whole content. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. It's just not. We will all learn how to... Uh, you know, go through life and uh, and adapt and and do those different things. We can have a learning mindset without having to be an excellent reader. Oh, what I was going to say is somebody gave me an example of how we can, it was another musician actually, and he said, what a gift to be able to present our kids with music the same way we present them with math, reading, you know, English. They're not all going to become musicians, just like they're not all going to become mathematicians or uh, yeah, a reading teacher, yeah, a scientist. But they're exposed to it, and they have the disciplines of it, and they have a foundation. And then from that, that's where I think gifts can flow out. And uh, and and just to give a good success story with Annie, she became an amazing physical trainer and coach, and she still does that to today. Uh, she helps manage our coffee shop. She has a little boy and, uh, and she challenges herself to read. She She does. And she writes a lot. She writes a lot of letters. She's so sweet. She, uh, we were pen pals growing up, Annie and I. And so, uh, but I just think it's so cool that like all throughout high school and college, she would write these, me, these just really thoughtful, sweet letters. And like, she was forcing herself to do that. That wasn't an easy thing to do. No, it wasn't. She still does it. And she she did that as like, no, I need to do this. And, um, it, it blessed me so much to see how God used her character that, and that personality to, uh, to, uh, deal with her and disabilities. Yeah. And I think it's so cool to your perspective on like, we're trying to raise children to succeed and thrive in their lives. Ultimately the relationship with the Lord, because that (laughs) affects everything. Yes. And then beyond that, how do we just teach them to thrive in life? And if it is looking at the numbers or, or going to audio for something to get, get the same information that we could from reading, you know, and not to die on the hill of how they're doing it. Yeah. Because I think that can really just like, crush someone's spirit and make them think that 
you know, they can't do it and just give up instead of, okay, how do we Jimmy rig this for you so that you can still have all the same information and all the same, you know, data and, and make decisions accordingly and and thrive. Well, and that's one of the blessings of being a homeschool mom is that we get to kind of keep learning all these different things. You know, we aren't caught in this doing things the same way. Our brain is getting stretched and, and moved our spirit you know, whether it's uh, the humility of being able to reach out and say, how did you do this? How could I do this? You know, being able to step out of that box that you thought was so right and so sure of to be able to back up and say, maybe not. Yeah. You know, that's a good thing. (laughs) Maybe not. And I just love that adaptability in you because I do think, and I I think it's cool how the Lord is gracious to even bring that like, oh, you know, better late than early concept or like, Mm -hmm. or even your like minor in special ed or like Mm -hmm. he just... Mm -hmm gave you little things along the way, even though, um, I'm sure it was very challenging. And I actually want to talk about that too. Like obviously dyslexia or reading disabilities, or Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, their challenge. And what are some other challenges that you feel like you went through in homeschooling? You know, you had high schoolers and little kids at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I had the benefit, um, early on of, um, using a curriculum where the core uh, subjects, well, it was all based on the Bible, but we were able to do them all together. Okay. So our hymn, of course, Bible reading, hymn singing, Bible memory, and then uh, let's say history, science. Uh, we were able to do those subjects together, and that seems maybe hard to imagine, but an example would be um, reading it all together from your five-year-old to your 17-year-old. You're all sitting there reading the content together, taking turns reading out loud, asking questions. And then application projects might be the five-year-old draws a picture and the 17-year-old writes a report. So that's sort of a, a simplistic way of explaining that. And so what I loved about that concept, and there are lots of curriculums that uh, let you do that, or ideas of learning. Um, Charlotte Mason, I love her nature. Uh, uh, That's just one of my names. Yeah, there's all sorts. I don't want to name drop here because it's it's so huge, the (laughs) list. But what I do love, and I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that this was so special for our family. And again, it was God's grace because I don't know that I sought it out. I think it came to us, the concept of teaching all together and creating that family unity, which was awesome. And then there are individual times where I called lap times, where you're teaching an individual child how to read and uh, or work in their math book. And uh, so you've got those different skill sets that are going to be age level or readiness level. Uh, their music practices, those are individual. Uh, but for the most our school type curriculum was all done together and then with different application projects. And I'm just really grateful for that, um, to, to do that. That seems like a great concept Yeah, because that's something that's kind of been mind boggling for me, you know, thinking of like, okay, what the span, you know, gets bigger and bigger, the more kiddos you have with the different grades and all that going on. And how do you navigate all that? And then you mentioned music. So if you guys aren't familiar with the Votberg family, you guys need to go watch their Christmas concert that's actually here on this channel, a live stream of it. Uh, but your family's very, very musical. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big thing, like the Boatberg family bands, like how I knew them as growing up, um, how a lot of people knew of the Votebergs mm-hmm. was through their music. And I think it's interesting because you mentioned that you weren't a, you were a vocalist, mm-hmm. but you weren't a musician by terms of playing an instrument. And yet all your children do, they all play mm-hmm. multiple instruments. And I just think sometimes as homeschooling mothers, we look at our own limitations. We look at the things we're good at and we think, well, I'm not going to be able to give this to my kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how did you, how do you give them that music background without you know, you, you being above them. Cause I think sometimes we ha- think we have to be in front of our kids in every subject that they're learning. Right. Right. And, uh, boy, that's where, uh, the community comes that you just need help. I think that that's one of those things that sometimes people think, 
homeschooling moms do it all and we all know that we don't you know i mean we're we're the full-time mom and we're caring for them but it's so wonderful to be able to have people outside your realm and so how music started for us was me singing with the kids because i did love to sing and was like a you know a church soloist that type of stuff so i would have them sing with me and uh then the the hymns were central to a lot of our school so mm -hmm. uh we did hymns every day and sang hymns together so the singing hymns and then i thought they should learn how to pian play piano and that was mainly because i didn't play piano and i thought i think that they should do this and so the amazing dear friend she's still a wonderful dear lady dear family to us i she, joby started piano lessons at eight and I just followed what she told me. This is when they need to practice. So I thought, well, she knows. So that's what I'm going to do. And then a few years later, um, so we followed that piano lesson idea and kept, every kid was just going to do piano lessons. And they did till they were 18. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then we had, uh, I don't know, it was our third, I do know, our third born daughter said, I would like to play the violin. And I didn't even know if kids could play two instruments at the same time. <laughs> and so we found a, a public school violin teacher that taught uh, lessons after school and, uh, and also happened to be a fiddle, a fiddler. And so if you guys don't know the difference, a violin is typically classical and you learn how to read, you learn how to play by reading notes. Uh, and then a fiddler Traditionally, it's a dancing type music that you learn how to play by ear. Now, that's not completely all the way, but that's a generalization. But the instrument is the exact yes, same instrument. Very same instrument. Good. And uh, and so I didn't think I would like fiddling because I thought, no, classical music is the way to go. And uh, that's where all the smart people happened. <laughs> the smart people are the classical ones. <laughs> uh, you know, just these funny different ideas you have in your mind. But she got the kids ready for a fiddle contest, a Washington State fiddle contest. And I went to this and fell in love not just with the music, but the people, when I saw how interactive it was with the older generation and the younger generation, because of how they learn, they learn from each other. They learn from looking at each other. And so relationships are such an important thing in life. And I thought, this is, this is our jam. And um, so that's what got us into the music that we did was how God brought certain people into our lives. And we were able to embrace that and have amazing amazing friendships. And I would even say <laughs> our uh, venture into fiddle music, that's how we met Katie's family. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yes. My uncle was yes. their fiddle teacher for a yes. period of time. Right. Her, her uncle was the national fiddle champion. And we met him. Uh, somebody directed us to their family music camp, the Boer family music camp. And Katie was a little girl and her family came and, oh, wow. It, you know, when you just, just think how God directs our paths and um, music was huge, but it also connected us with people that are, make our lives so beautiful. I, yeah, that's just so sweet to me because I just think so often when we start something, we want to see the whole path and we want to see the whole plan and then be like, mm. okay, I'm on or I'm off. Like I'm signing on or I'm signing off. And I think the Lord's so gracious to just give us little bits at a time. And one, we can't see all the challenges we're going to face. So there's a blessing in that. And then also we just have to trust him and have that faith that he's going to work out his what he wants accomplished over that series of time and that's when it comes down to the conviction of i'm just going to take this one step at a time because it's something i feel convicted to do yeah and not because i think it's going to be easy not because i think it's you know not going to come without its challenges mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. not because i see the whole picture laid out in front of me and i'm like yes my kid's going to be the next beethoven i will sign on to this yeah, this yeah. this lifestyle so i just think it's cool how there's just so many parts of your story of the mm -hmm. Lord just bringing the right thing at the right time right, and right. your committedness to just him leading mm -hmm. instead of taking control of our child's education. Right. Right. And, uh, again, that's our, I think if we can recognize our humanity and rely on God's sovereignty and God's perfection, just always going back to that in his direction. 
and being willing to learn new things. Yeah, being willing to learn new things. I think that's huge. So before we close real quick, if there's anything you could tell yourself, you know, going back 30 years that you'd wish you could have told yourself mm -hmm. earlier or that you would tell someone who's just starting out, uh, what would that be? Well, as far as the positive, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I talked about. I don't think I would have done anything differently, mm -hmm. mainly because I didn't know any different, you know, and you, you have to be grateful for the way God directed your paths at that time. If I had a do over and I have told my young adults, my parents this, and they've taken it to heart. I wish we would have memorized scripture more. You know, that's because I think that that's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's easy slash it is a challenge because we didn't, we did some, but I think there could have been so much more. I think that could have been a, a daily part of your life, uh, a cheerful thing. And then that we all know that when we hide God's word in our heart, it just stays there. Mm -hmm. So uh, God's word was central, but I feel like we could have memorized. And I say that from a personal level too. I'm constantly challenging my mind to, as much as I love to read God's word and pray God's word, I know that taking that extra step to memorize God's word is mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that's a right, a right place to be. Um, and I think also maintaining, and I, I said it throughout here, back on the positive, just really encouraging to seek the Lord, ask him for direction and, and pray for true humility, because that also, uh, it builds the relationship that you want with your children. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're willing to learn, and and uh, I talked about great repentance and grace, that constant thing. Well, it's it's with your children too, Con going to them and admitting you were wrong, or saying we need to go a different direction. We're all on the same team, mm -hmm. and uh, being able to communicate with that with them and and maintain that sense of humility, and and at any moment uh, we can cry out to the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite verses is in Mark 9, uh, Oh Lord, I do believe. Oh Lord, help my unbelief. And uh, knowing that God gives me that faith and I can cry out to Him to build that faith and uh, strengthen that. So I just I was a little bit scattered there with that answer, but just continue to, to humble yourself before the Lord and your family. Yeah, well, pointing pointing us to Christ is the best yeah. the best possible thing, and I do yeah. love that you do did give your kids a love of scripture, because I know that even like Elisha's memorized a lot of scripture in high school and college. Yeah, and, and still, on his own, on yeah. his own. And yeah. so I think that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, um, that you gave him that. Right. Okay, you guys, thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much. Yes, for thanks for having me. Sitting here for I don't know how long we sat here, but <laughs> <It's> I, <good. laughs> I really feel like I took advantage of your time, and I'm so so no. thankful yeah. that you're willing to share it with our listeners because we're all there's this huge fresh new generation of homeschoolers. Right. We're all coming up. We're all like bright eyed and white knuckled and like, tell me, tell, give me your wisdom, you know? Yeah. And so I just think this was really encouraging. Thank, thank you for you. being on today. Oh, thank you, Katie. <laughs>